0: Pay down one hundred thousand dollars of debt in six months, and move to her dream home at the beach. Hey, hey! Welcome back to this episode of I Date Money. I'm your hostess, Lisa Drennan, and today we have the awesome Tracy Gunn. She is a serial entrepreneur who was running two restaurants, two candy stores in 2019, and decided to sell. But she learned the hard way that most businesses don't sell. The broker said her business was unsellable. Can you imagine? But instead of giving up, she fixed her business and found a buyer in three months. Now she's on a mission to warn entrepreneurs that a good exit doesn't just happen. You actually have to plan for it. Go figure. Everything needs to be planned for. (laughs) So, welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to hear. All about this exit plan. I love talking about this because, you know, when I meet with my clients, we're always talking about the exit plan. And I always get, oh, I'm a six figure coach and I'm going to do this to my last breath. What do you have to say about that?
1: The thing is, you don't know what you don't know. What's co- what you never know. Like for me, I was running four and I had a brand new grandbaby and it just stopped me in my tracks. I was tired, but I was like, I'll just keep going. I could do it. I could do it. And then all of a sudden, new baby. What? Wait a minute. And all of a sudden I just shifted and you don't know what's going to happen in your life that makes you want that shift. And if you don't prepare ahead, as I learned the hard way, you know, you can't just exit stage left. Like, well, you can, but you kind of leave some wreckage if you don't plan ahead.
0: Yeah. And it's so important to plan ahead because when you, like you said, when you don't, you leave this wreckage behind. And what was it like? Like you had these businesses. I love that you had a candy store. Like, was it, I remember, it reminds me when I was a little girl, we had this place called Wallace's and it was a soda oh, yeah. shop type of thing. And you walked in and there was the bar stools, you know, and you'd climb up there, the soda fountain. And then in the back was all the candy and the jars so what was your candy store? Like, was it like set up like that? like
1: that? Just like that. I actually still have, that's the one business I still have. Cause I had a partner that was earning in and then she changed her mind. So I had to go back in and fix some things. Um, yeah. It's like 300 jars of mix and match. Like you get a glove and you can put your hands in all the jars. So like everybody has a candy store story of like, whether it was from vacations as a kid or like where they grew up or like me, it was like, you know, three atomic balls for 10 cents. You know, like we all have those stories, which that's the part I love about my, that business. It's like, you can't be sad in the candy store. And when kids are, I'm like, don't cry at the candy store. Mom will never bring you back. Like, don't, <laughs> it's always great anyway. So, but yeah, that was my, my candy store. I still love it.
0: Yeah. I, I well, I just love the visual for that. Cause being able mm-hmm. to Put your hand in all the different candies and pick whatever you want. And it's so colorful. I know when we go on vacation, um, we used to go on vacation to Myrtle Beach all the time and they had a candy store and it was like, oh, This is so much fun. So, what made you decide to sell and what was it like when you heard it wasn't sellable?
1: Well, and you know, I was honestly like just to paint the picture, like I my candy store had gotten to a place where it was running itself. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well what should I do? And so I opened a restaurant cause you know, that's easy. And then I did that one. And then I did a second one. And, um, and then I opened another candy store and I was like, you know, when you, we have this, this, I call it delusional optimism. Like we are just so confident we're going to be able to do everything. And so I just kept building, building, building. And I was starting to get tired. Like I was working seven in the morning to like one or two at night and I was just on this grind and I still made time to go on vacations and stuff like that. But like, then all of a sudden they enter this grandbaby, and I wanted to go and all of these things were dependent on me. And that was just like, I realized like, crap, I'm stuck here. Like, I can't just move up and move. Like all of my bid- businesses were businesses that were very local and de- needed me. They, mm-hmm. I had like built this thing around me and my skills um, and the way that I had wanted them. Much like we raise our children the way we want them to behave, right? Some things don't bother us. Other things really bother us. We teach them. Same thing in our business. Like the things I wanted to do, I was doing. Things I didn't want to do, I wasn't doing. But they still were dependent on me. And so when I hired the broker, who was like a nice guy, I mean, he was local. I had never really thought about what like, is this sellable? I knew that I wanted some freedom, but I never thought about that part. And so when he entered and like, he, you know, first of all, like, if you can like feel that, like, here's my baby that I created from nothing, four of them, take a look, tell me what you think. Like, nobody likes that. No, it's, it's very exposing. And you just like, I was terrified, but like optimistic too. And I was like, this was going to be the quickest, easiest way. And when he was like, you know, there's nothing really worth selling here. Mm. You should just liquidate. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And I, I had 42 staff. I had, um, you know, over a million in sales between the, the two of them. The other two were doing a couple hundred thousand each. Like, and so I just didn't understand what he was looking at. Why didn't he see what I saw? Mm-hmm. Clearly there were in some inherent problems because it was dependent on me, which is problem number one, but like, he didn't see the value and I did. So after I cried a little, I kind of figured out, all right, I'll give myself six months. Right. I gave my exit strategy. I gave myself six months timeline and I gave myself a goal. Like let's for, we're, focus on the big one, see what I can do. And if it doesn't work, then I'll close it. Just like he said, What what's six more months. Right. And that's what I did. And within three months, one of my customers approached me to buy because Uh he had seen the shifts over those three months. Cause like when you shift from, you know, building and scaling to exiting, you make different choices Mm -hmm. and you're shoring up, right? The foundation, you're fixing some things, you're kind of putting in new efficiencies. You're trying to really work on the profitability, all these things, Customer list, those kind of things. Like you're all of a sudden looking at it a little different. Um, not just surviving every day and like trying to get more through the door, but like really maximizing what you have already and tweaking. And so, yeah, I mean, so for me, like that was it was eye opening. And I just thought, like, why didn't anybody warn me about this? And that you know, I did have freedom. My quarterly was going on vacation. It wasn't like I I could never be free, but it couldn't be without me. And that for me was like a huge, like aha moment. And I don't know, you know, how often people have those, but when you do, gosh, it's a doozy.
0: Yeah. It's all about that mindset, right? When you think about it, you know, when you, you, you make that decision and you, okay, this is my goal and we're going to reverse engineer it. And this is what yeah. I truly want because instead of doing this, I'd rather be doing that. And yeah. then you you're in alignment, you create that harmony between your thoughts and your actions, and you get the results that you want. So I love how you came to that realization. And it was I, I pictured this person coming in and looking at your kids, because our our businesses mm-hmm. are our kids. And it's like, oh, no, that's not that's not worthy. <laughs> and it's like, excuse yeah. me. No, I'm sorry. I built this from <laughs> scratch from my heart and soul. And you're saying mm-hmm. it's not worthy. Let's talk about that. Right, but I know as entrepreneurs, some of us do tend to look at our businesses and think it's not good enough, and we're raising yeah. the bar constantly. And when you're in that mode, it's it's almost like you're you, the critical parent, right? Growing yeah. up you know, with that critical parent. So when you think back to childhood and your your money story and your relationship with money, what was your earliest childhood memory?
1: Oh gosh, I mean my my parents divorced when I was five. So I remember money was always in a thing, right? It was always about more survival than like, and reactive than planning. And so I remember growing up thinking like, I, I'm going to be successful and I'm not going to be in this position. And funny enough, I was, but that's a whole other story. Like, so I remember growing up thinking like I can do anything. I mean, that, Again, delusional optimism that I love is like, I just knew that I was going to be able to figure out based on what I wanted. It wasn't necessarily about having a certain amount of money. For me, that has never been the goal, but it's about what that money brings, which is the freedom to do the things I want to do, right? To explore a new opportunity, to try something new, to further learn—all of those kind of things. And so, my father had his own business, so I always worked in his business, like you know, doing retail kind of stuff. So I learned really early on about work ethic, about like showing up, and when you don't, what happens, right? And how there is an impact on a family, um, and. Just really just put those things into place all with this very innate drive of wanting to do the things I wanted to do. Like I was always really driven and really focused on again, not money per se, but more about getting what I wanted and me money is often the vehicle for that. Right. So for me, that's kind of how it started. But being in a business, a small business that's run by like your dad, you learn the basics, right? So when I, and when I decided to start my first business, um, it was actually at like the worst, my ex was in uh, 9/11. And after a bunch of years, he really just had a really big mental health crisis, and like we went bankrupt and all these things. And in that, I said, well, I'll start a business (laughs) like terrible timing. But because I just knew that was my vehicle for freedom Mm -hmm. and my vehicle for like control and being able to design the life that I wanted, as opposed to um, being in a position that I didn't expect myself in. So, I mean, that was a lot right there, but like, that's kind of like how that worked for me. And so business has always been my vehicle for achieving the things that I want to achieve right whether they're money related or not um, the business part has always been the attractive part for me
0: yeah I mean and when you say business growing up with a business owner in your home and setting that example you get that taste I come from a family of entrepreneurs on both yeah. sides and then you know we have nine to fivers as well and you see, the freedom. And like, a lot of times people will say, well, entrepreneurs don't, you know, you don't, you don't get the raises or the benefits. Well, no, you, you don't. Do. You just come in a different format. I mean, they do. you can, you can get benefits as an entrepreneur. It just looks differently because mm-hmm. you're paying for them out of pocket, hundred percent yourself. Yeah. You're not getting right. that subsidy, but if you think about, you get to make all the decisions, right. And no one's telling you, um, you were late for break. By ten minutes, you know, <laughs> yeah. you a lease slip, right. you know, things of that nature. But you had mentioned about the bankruptcy. I, I too mm-hmm. filed for bankruptcy at at age twenty two with thirty two thousand dollars worth of debt, mm-hmm. and they put a. It made me feel like so insignificant. Like what a mm-hmm. loser, right? Yeah. And I was, you know, I was a bankruptcy paralegal at the time, and I remember oh. standing in front of the judge, and the judge is like, "You are so young." He's like. Mm-hmm. why, what happened? Like, why are you here? And someone had forged my name on a loan, a family member oh. and it to my debt. And I just didn't see it another way out. And I knew mm-hmm. the consequences. So with your bankruptcy, how did it, how did it impact your life and your ability to get business loans, manage your business? Cause you're a brick and mortar owner, yeah. right?
1: So I had to do everything from scratch. So, um, like it was, it was this huge transition, right? Like my kids, I had homeschooled. So I had chosen, I didn't think I was going to have children. And then I wound up with three and then I homeschooled, I stayed home for 14 years. And then this big cataclysmic event happened. My children, uh, right before that decided to go to school. So like my whole purpose, right. Was raising my children and then that was gone. And then this whole disaster happened. And so I was like, Crap, what do I do? Like, and again, I always double down on me. Um, I don't know why, just do. And um, so we had in the midst of that, I we did a chapter 13, which we had to take a few years. So I just started the business when all that happened, and we decided to pay back. That was one of our choices. And I think it was looking back, it was foolish because I could have just walked away and started fresh, mm-hmm. but instead that's on your record for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right. So on your record for 10 years, once they finally approve it. So it took two years to get it approved. Cause of course we had just bought our brand new house at the top of the market in 2006. So we're good times were all, had by all and, um, I, you know, I got to the place where I was like, okay, well I have a couple thousand dollars. Like I, I'm going to make this work. But you know, what happened for me is that I, again, betting on myself, I decided I'm going to take a couple thousand dollars and I'm worth the risk. I could go work for somebody else, right. After not working for, you know, 14 years, or I, I thought that the quickest way to be successful against starting in my, you know, gosh, how long ago was that? 2006. I don't know. It was probably like, close to 40. Um oh no maybe 35. But like the quickest way was to bet on myself. And so but every choice made a difference. I didn't have loans. I didn't have um a lot of room to make mistakes. So everything was really well thought out and calculated. Um which helped me to learn quickly. You know sometimes when you have the loans and the I don't mean discount like the luxury of that um that buffer, Mm -hmm. you sometimes don't make really good decisions because you don't have to, right? But when you don't have it, you know, every time I made a $200 order for my candy store, it was a, like, it was a big deal. And if I made the wrong decision, it impacted everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And now like I could look back and it's like the good old days, but like, I can remember having a $50 day and feeling like, Oh, I've made it. Right, and if we had one now, I would cry. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, like, it's like how you change, but yeah, like back then, I mean, it impacted everything. Even when I finally divorced, we divorced like six years later. Um, and thankfully, he's healthy; he's good. Um, you know, thankfully, we had the nine eleven fund that helped him to get better. Um, but you know, by that time, like I had to get my mom to co-sign my apartment. Like, mm-hmm. because just because those choices have long standing consequences. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, but I felt like once it was done and we paid back, it was a good decision. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have that for myself of like, I took ownership of our choices, our, cause we were married and yeah. did what we had to do. Right. And yeah. now moving forward, I'm much more aware about how. Blindly believing Mm -hmm. your spouse is not always in your best interest. No, which is why I own my own, which is why I own all my businesses myself, (laughs) to be honest.
0: Well, it's very common for spouses not to be on the same page financially and for them to keep their money separate. I work with uh, a few ladies that their spouses, I mean, they're more than welcome to come on our calls. And I'm like, at least see if they'll watch the replay. And have them get on board that way if they're not comfortable. But it's so funny because people are so guarded about their finances, especially in, oh, that's no one's business. We don't talk about our money and (laughs) I can't trust that person. So there's definitely a feeling that comes with sharing those intimate things about your money and you know, yeah. it's like, you know, walking around naked when you expose your finances. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, and I'm so embarrassed I did this or I did that. Mm-hmm. And I love like how you, you know, it said, wow, I had a $50 day. And today you'd be like, oh, no, that's not a good thing.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, what happened? Who did something? Right. <laughs> exactly.
0: someone, someone taken from the register. But yeah, when you think about that, when we match our frequency, like, you know, when you're first starting off in your business, you know, you want to raise your expectations, you want to be able to, you know, do better than the day before. And I always used to view it as I'm raising the bar to the point where I'm always going to be defeated, because I'm always raising the bar. But if you look at it from a different perspective, it's like, no, I'm expanding, I'm growing. And I want Mm -hmm. to be able to do this, because when I get to this next level, I can do this. And so how fast did you grow in your business? And what was the momentum behind it to help you grow quickly?
1: I mean that for us you know was survival you know uh because by that time I decided that I was going to do this instead of going to work and my husband at the time was not working he was going through some mental health things we didn't have any money and so it had to work right and sometimes uh, you know whether we put ourselves in that position on purpose or not but like somehow you just seem to rise to whatever the situation allows. Right. Which is why I believed when I did the first restaurant, which I mean, pretty ballsy like to say, oh, well, I'll just open a restaurant. Right. I'll know how to figure out everything, not just the front of the house, but the back of the house and the numbers and the advertising and like, and I did it, you know, I was open within a month, you know, my second one, I opened in two weeks because, you know, I just put these pressures on myself and I just always seem to rise to it because I know that I'm capable of more. I don't know why I know that I just do. Right. I don't think it's any kind of routine of self-care that makes me believe that it's just proof, right? Like you rise to the occasion. You're like, all right, I did that. I can do this next thing and the next and the next, but like you said, $50 back then found felt like, yes, that's $50 worth of candy. Think about it. But now, you know, one customer can spend 50 on candy. So it went pretty fast. I mean, I opened my first restaurant in 2016. So like over those, you know, we, we started the candy store in 2006, right after my husband's um, crisis. So, you know, it and for me, that was my saving grace, honestly, it was it was my place of like, I got to say, I got to control, I got to be the one that made those decisions because in my marriage, that wasn't always the case. Right. And so I took that forward. So within the, the first couple of years, I mean, we were just, you know, doubling every year and, you know, right now we're kind of um, stagnant because of the community that we're in, because mm-hmm. it's on the decline. So, right. It's hard to rise when everything around you is declining Um, and we're actually, uh, that's the one business that I still have. Um, And so anyway, but like we just went and went and all of a sudden, you know, I was bored enough to think I want to do another business. Right. So within 10 years, which is, you know, great and fun, and then running the two at the same time. And then again, once you're able to do that, you think, well, I could run a third. Sure. Right. And again, there comes a point, you know, what do they call that? that saying about like, uh, biting off more than you can chew. Like you just, cause you keep every time it's hard, but you rise to it and rise to it and rise to it. So eventually like, because you're just always challenging yourself and rising to it, this goes back to the exit planning, like not thinking about what is my end goal here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I was definitely, a you know, that is my story is that I didn't, I just kept thinking more and more, as I was having fun and it was a new challenge, I kept rising and getting better, but I never, I didn't think about what is this? How does this end? Right. Right. Like what if there was a car accident on the way to work? Like, does anybody get paid? Like what happens? And I didn't think of that because I was so in that mode of, I got this right next thing, next thing, next, thing, this. And so, um, you know, when I decided wait a minute, time out. I don't want this. Well, what do I want? That was step one for me, right? After he told me he couldn't just rescue me and save me and make it all go away. It was like, okay, what am I going to do now? Right. Challenge and rise to it and figure, okay, figure it out. Let's go. And again, I think, you know, especially as business owners or entrepreneurs or in whatever in life, I mean, that's the goal, right? It's like, we, we come up, we, we challenge ourselves. We rise to it. We challenge ourselves again. And our capacity for exceeding our expectations and rising to it is, you know, it just always, it just keeps going and it keeps like compounding because we just keep getting better and better and better at it. Um, so, yeah. So that's my little story there. So.
0: <laughs> I love it. and I, I, it's gotta be really challenging to run multiple businesses at once and i always think about that like on the online world virtually you know a lot of coaches will teach like you know have one offer and that's it right and then some coaches will teach will have multiple income streams but Mm -hmm. you know depending on where you're at and where you know in the beginning of your journey versus the middle Mm -hmm. until you get really good at something when you expand it's like you can't give your attention and your focus so then you start to lose money because you're Mm -hmm. like putting out fires. Right. Mm. And you're like, Oh, I'm trying to build this. I'm trying to build that. But there Mm. are some that are at that level, like their first year, they focused on their one main Mm. program. And then by their second year, they're like, Oh, I can do that in my sleep. Let me add this. And then you see them rapidly grow and you're sitting back going, well, how is she doing it? Well, because she built a strong foundation and Mm. when you build that strong foundation. So when you had your one business and you knew You're just Mm -hmm. converting that structure, that SOP, if you have, if, you know, if I can say that into Mm -hmm. the other program, into the other business. So all nuts and bolts are there. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's why it becomes so easy. So I love that you just like, yeah, it was easy. And, you know, people listening are like, how the heck did she do that? I can barely get this one business off the ground and, you know, stuck at six figures and trying to get to the next level. And I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Well, I know what you're doing wrong. (laughs) What do you, what's your viewpoint on that, Tracy? What are they doing wrong? (laughs) Well, I mean,
1: you know, I think I love opportunity, right? And I do, I am a shiny object person. Like if you couldn't tell, I do, and I love options. I love choices. I like pursuing new things. And I, again, Much like we talked about raising your children, like I set myself up so I could do those things, right? Mm -hmm. So I knew I wasn't always going to be the candy lady behind the register. I just knew I didn't want to be that. I wanted Mm -hmm. to have it. I wanted it to pay me. I wanted it to be fun, right? And I knew what worked and what didn't, right? So I spent the time in there doing that. But then I started to buy my time back, right? Mm -hmm. To do the next level of things and the next level and the next level. And then you know it was not exciting and bo- it was kind of boring after a while right so then i jumped to the next thing and which was another challenge and you're right i took my skill set from there and just brought it over i mean so much of business like we all we all believe our business is very unique and it is but at the same on the other hand it's all the same right? We are all doing similar things, right? We're acquiring customers, we're selling, we're fulfilling, we're, you know, receiving, we're paying our expenses. We have overhead, like those things they might present differently, but they're all so similar, which is why like with this new business that we're doing people are like, well, how come you're not niching down to just candy stores or just restaurants? And I said, because really business is business, right? Mm-hmm. Exiting is exiting. It doesn't matter whether it's manufacturing or e-com or there'll be different facets, but the general idea here is, you know, it needs to be not dependent on you to be valuable. That's really as when we break it all down and that you're exactly right. Like, so people who are maybe are stuck at a level, I think sometimes it's just because they can't see beyond what they see, right? Mm-hmm. They are kind of stuck in, it has to be this way. And i am um, and by going into another business, it doesn't have to stay that way, if that makes sense. So like, that's for myself. And maybe that offer has run its course, which is, all, you know, it's funny, like when I talk about the broker who, you know, exposing all that to him, he has a very myopic view of what he wants a business to look like, but he's not running businesses. He's just selling them, right? So he has a criteria for what he's willing to work with and whether it's going to be easy or not. That was what he was looking at it. I was looking at it completely different. And there's so many different ways to see things. And so for somebody who's maybe stuck at a level, sometimes it really helps to have outside eyeballs. Like same is true for us. Like somebody calls and they're like, well, my business isn't super profitable. I don't think I can sell. Well, bologna sandwiches, you can always sell because there's always somebody that's willing to buy what you have. And what can you fix in that? And sometimes they just are so in it. They don't know what to fix, right. Mm-hmm. They're not as they're just, you can't see the forest with the trees because you're in it. But sometimes somebody from the outside says, well, what about this? And you know, if you're open to what the possibilities can be, then there there's no way it can't sell. That's yeah. just how I feel. Um, and same for like them, if they're stuck at that level. It's just because they haven't, there's some block there that won't let them get now for myself, sometimes it's not personal. I mean, so like my business, my candy store has kind of like maintained. And when I, I could take it personal. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, however, considering the world and, you know, the economy and, you know, post pandemic and all these things, when I look at it from an outside view, the simple fact is, is we're in a town where the median income is low, rates are still going up. We lost all, most of our tourism. Like, so all of the odds are stacked against that business here right. from hitting the numbers. But yet I'm actually in talks, we're finalizing I hope at least this week of a brand new store where my grandchildren are, right? Go back to the grandchildren because I wanna be able to be there and I could do this standing on my head Um, but it's in a town, it's in Charlotte and it's a place where the median income is four or five times what it is here. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: I can take location. location. (laughs) Well, you take the same exact model, right? A person could run their business in a place, in a niche. And yet if they just took it out of that and put it somewhere else, maybe did less, they could be four times more profitable. Yeah. Cause it's really just about, is it working where it is? Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's outside factors that are not going to improve that you don't have control over. And that's what I found for myself with this candy store and my kids are gone. So like they're grown. I can do what I want. Yay for me. That's the perks. But like, you know, for me, I can be super duper profitable at this location that I'm negotiating just by being someplace else. Mm -hmm. Right. And isn't that interesting? Like we talk about mindset and stuff. Like I, thankfully I did other things and feel pretty secure in my abilities. And I didn't blame myself per se, but there's plenty of business owners that feel that, right. That didn't feel like they were good at business, but maybe it's not them. Maybe it's where they are. Maybe it's their location. Maybe it's their price. Like who knows, but it's not always the person that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I actually believe it's never the person, it's actually like the the mechanics, like because we say we want to do something, but then we we don't do it. A lot of my clients will come to me and they're like, Well, I want to get to this next profit level. And it's like, Okay, well, what's your plan? What's your intention? And when you get there, what will you do with that? And they're like I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm like, all right, well, let's map it out. Like, you know, we'll map it out. Like, okay, what what, what do you want to take home in your pay? You know, we'll put that figure in there and I'll say, okay, this is how many, you know, your real revenue has to be X amount of dollars. What are you charging? How many customers do you have now? Customers or clients. And we start to plug it in and they start to look at their pricing. Like usually there's three level pricing. right? Right. And then we look at that. It's like, okay, do you know how, you know, how much you have to sell in order to get this? And they're like, You know, you can just see the whole face, their whole demeanor, just kind of like in their shoulders shrug and they're like, well, how can I change this to make it so that I get to have what I say I want? You know, and then once you get that vision, that goal, then we can reverse engineer it. So I love Mm -hmm. you help when you look at business owners, it's like, yeah, I want to create an exit plan. So where I live in Melbourne Beach, Florida, um, there's a road called A1A and there's all kinds of restaurants, but there's a strip that's um, on the island that there's two restaurants. And the one restaurant has changed hands like several times. And now it's this new restaurant and they made it into this fancy restaurant, but they didn't change the outside. So we drive by and we're like, it's got this fancy name, but it doesn't look fancy. Right. So two of our our neighbors have gone there and they're like, they got fancy prices and the food is good, but they don't have fancy surroundings. So it doesn't drive, right? And it's like, okay. If you want to have a fancy restaurant make the place look fancy, like how much is it going to cost right. you? And then how much is it going to increase your revenue? Because yeah. there's, then there's this other restaurant who doesn't charge accordingly to what the clientele is. And mm-hmm. if they offer deals, they would get more people, but they don't see it that way. Right. And it's like, okay, if you just change, like who are your customers cater to mm-hmm. them, to you and your likings, so, yeah. when you have this bird eye view for these businesses and you help yeah. them with exit plans so that they can sell with a profit, mm-hmm. what's your strategy?
1: Well, so we start from like I find out of all the people I've talked to, like myself, most people don't even know what they want. Mm-hmm. They kind of have an idea, like I want to sell. they don't know what they need. They don't know why they don't like, so we start from the beginning. Okay. What is it you want now that can change, right? But let's get some things nailed down. Like what do you need to sell for? What would you like to sell for? Right. We have some things to work with. Like, let's get some tangibles that we can write down so we can work with. And then we take an honest assessment. We do evaluation of like, okay, well, what is your business worth? Right. And where are the gaps? Like, what would fall apart if you went on vacation for four weeks let's start there right so we kind of figure out what they want we figure out where they are and now we try to build the bridge of like okay what's the roadmap look like to get you where you want to be and we just kind of like you talked about reverse engineer it and just be like okay like some some customer some uh clients uh haven't changed their prices in years they just, cause they don't feel comfortable doing it. You know, I'll give you an example. My husband's a builder. Now, what he prices a roof at uh, roof at compared to somebody that's young and starting out they are four times the price is him. Mm-hmm. because he doesn't in his mind, his hourly or the way he does it hasn't changed mm-hmm. from when he did started doing this 35 years ago but he should be charging double what these young guys are, but he doesn't see that because he, he doesn't feel like we talked about mindset. He doesn't feel comfortable charging that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's some of that in there. Right. So that's our strategy is to kind of go in and art. Right, like let's get you some quick wins. Let's we establish where we are, where we want to be how we're gonna get there. And we start with quick wins of like freeing up your time, delegating, like instituting some tech in here to kind of take you out of things, get you some consistency. Because we always kind of start with, you know, a valuable business is a a business that is not overly dependent on the owner, right? Like that's a valuable business that if you remove you, will it fall apart, right? The level it's gonna fall apart determines the value. And so let's fix a few of those things. Now, it doesn't mean you have to give up all the things you love, right? But we've like worked with solopreneurs, right? Who kind of downsized and got rid of everybody because they were getting tired and they wanted to work less. And but they gave away the part that was sellable. They, they downsized that part. So we got to go back and they're like, okay, well, if you're not going to be out there and doing that concrete work, Wolfgang, like what? are you going to be doing <laughs> like, like, who's going to do that? Right. Cause you know, you could sell the pieces, but why, when mm-hmm. you could just spend a little time and rebuild that part slowly, systematically get yourself out. And now you have something that you could hand to somebody transferable. Right. And that's kind of how we start. We always start though with exit plan, like, and nothing fancy, but more like, 300,000 feet high, like, okay, in a perfect world, like when when would this happen and what would it look like, right? And then sometimes when we lay out what the work would be to get there, they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Okay, so that's fine. Now let's readjust, right? But we always start with what do you want? Where are you and how can you get there? And then depending on how much or little they want to do, right? Because you said you reverse engineered and like, okay, well, if every customer is worth this and you want to be here. Well, that means you need a hundred more customers or whatever that is. And they're like, I don't want a hundred more customers. Well, right. Okay. So we either have to change the price or we have to adjust the goal
0: mm-hmm.
1: based on how much you're willing to do. But it's like, it's really, it's very logical, but often we're all so busy in our businesses. We're not really thinking about that. -hmm. Too much in it, right? To be thinking about that end game about like, okay, well, this is where I'm going. But you know what? I do find that once we define something, that defined target filters all of their choices after that.
0: I love it. Because they can't unknow
1: it, right?
0: Yeah. What a great strategy. So, well, thank you so much, Tracy, for sharing all that. And I know you have a a freebie for the audience who is listening, those who are wanting to have an exit plan or just, you know, just kind of thinking about it. And maybe you don't have an exit plan now or you know somebody, but it's going to be valuable because it's always nice to have that in your back pocket. So um, what's the best financial advice that you can give um, to our
1: audience? Well, I think we can go right back to what I was just saying. It's like, to know what you want, like to really take some time and think about what is it I want and just write it down because it will, without even working hard, it will filter everything that you choose to do, right? Every once in a while, somebody comes to me and says, hey, we have this restaurant you could take over, which was kind of my specialty, right? And I get excited about the opportunity and then reality reminds me, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And I always go, no, thank you. As beautiful as wonderful as it could be, it reminds me that is not what I want anymore, right? Yeah. And such. I an- want the freedom.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's one of the first questions I ask when I onboard my clients into the Wealth Accelerator program. Is okay, what do you want? And it was a very powerful question for me because no one had ever asked asked me that, especially you know I was working. I had a side gig. I was raising my family and I was last. So to really know what you want and go after it, instead of like I, the shiny object syndrome that we all have, but Tracy, what's the best way for our audience to connect
1: with you? So we have uh, just on our homepage is uh, getexitable.com dot It has a couple free things. Like you can come to a free class and learn about it. Like what exiting and selling looks like. Cause you know, we don't, most of us don't think about that. We just think we, Oh, someday we'll sell, but we don't know what that looks like or what's involved or what makes our business valuable. So knowing that sooner is always a good idea. Um, and so there's a whole bunch on there that's free that will help you get closer. No matter when you're thinking, if you're not even thinking for 10 years, that's fine. Why wouldn't you build something more valuable knowing what will make it valuable now? Right? So It's never too early to start planning for the end.
0: Very true. Thank you again, Tracy. For those of you listening, please check the show notes, connect with Tracy and just check it out. Maybe you don't have an exit plan and you just want to think about it because you know, that five, 10, 15 year vision of your business. What have you been thinking about? You know, and when you think about multiplying your money and, and building your empire, creating that beautiful safety net, that's what it's all about, that profitability so that you can leave the generations to come with a beautiful legacy. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's what you do with it. for tuning into the show give us a five-star review and share it with your friends get ready to activate wealth be the next millionaire with a simple adjustment of your finances using an energetically aligned money multiplier system you get to build wealth by partnering with money it's time to have fun with finances Pick a date. The link is in the show notes to book your wealth activation call where you will get the one solution to multiply your money. Remember, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's what you do with it.